Hey everyone, if you'd like to watch the full presentation, head on over to the IASIS podcast YouTube channel. Hey everybody, it's Ferran Wozniak with the IASIS podcast. I'm here with Steve Whalen, co-founder of Sumuri. Steve, how are you doing this Friday, summer Friday, last of July? Doing good. Uh, just trying to stay out of the heat, as everybody else is. Yeah, every, everybody. Every, well, I don't think anybody's escaping it this summer. Uh, Steve, uh, former retired Delaware State Police, tell us about your career in uh, in Delaware, and then leading up to um, being co-founder of Samuri. Oh yeah, that's kind of a strange story because I never prepared for this, never expected it. But um, born in Delaware, went to University of Delaware, uh, went to school for physics originally, ended up graduating with two degrees in uh, psychology and sociology. Didn't even think about getting in law enforcement, needed a job, got into law enforcement, um, got hired, um, regular patrol officer for five years, uh, did pretty well. They asked me to get into CI, uh, criminal investigations. They saw me use a calculator, therefore they asked me to do electronic crimes. Uh, which no one was doing at the time. We had just, you know, a couple of cases here and there, but there was nobody formalized to do it. Um, once I was successful in doing a couple of those, um, they kept asking me to do more. Um, I asked to go to training. I, I begged and begged and begged. About two years later, I got asked, I got into IASIS actually, which is where I started my career with, with that, with you guys, um, which was back in 1999. So um, once I got my CFCE, which was a little bit different back then, um, I wouldn't say harder, um, we basically, uh, they signed me full time for the first time to do, uh, I guess, computer crimes, like the first trooper to sign it in Delaware to do computer oh, wow. crimes. And then uh, a couple years later after that, we made an official unit, um, uh, and it started growing from there. And then about 2007, I retired from law enforcement to go off. I, uh, joined another company that was some other guys. We formed another company, um, didn't jive with, with the way I like to do business, which is kind of weird. I mean, I know everybody's in business to make money, but I just want to help just do what I did with law enforcement. Um, so my wife and I kind of split off and created Samori because uh, her heart's in the right place and it's the same place where mine was. And she was supporting me behind the scenes for all those years anyway. I learned a lot and we just went off and started Samori. Wow. That's, 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 that's nice. That's, that's a, um, a great risk, great reward. But you, you guys, I know you guys, myself being in industry for in digital forensics for 18 years, I know you guys are, are a, a very well-established company. You mentioned, you mentioned IASIS. Um, I know you guys, uh, you are a, a lifetime member, right? You, you yes. got that uh, last year, no, two years ago, maybe? Two years ago. Two years yeah. ago. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. And I know you guys, uh, Samuri has, uh, for the two-week event, in Orlando, you guys have classes. Uh, not only are you a sponsor with a booth, but you also conduct uh, classes both weeks, correct? Yeah, so I, I kind of wear all kinds of different hats at IASIS. So, you know, one, I, I grew up in IASIS. I've been staffed forever. I, I'd love to help. Um, I don't think I've ever missed any conference except for one, which was a kind of interesting year. Um, but no, so at the conferences, we, we do as exhibitor, obviously we sponsor it as an exhibitor, as a company. Uh, we do both the Mac classes. So it's our Mac classes there. We, um, you know, pr you know, offer them at IASIS, you know, so that everybody can take them. Um, they're all vendor neutral. So we like to teach from a vendor neutral perspective, um, not push tools. And then um, from there, we, I also do the BCFE Mac uh, module as well okay usually I'm okay the last one that people see before they just talk about your cfc <laughs> yeah. yeah 
Yeah. When they're finally all burnt out. And... Yeah, when they're burnt out, I'm like, hey, everything you learned the last two weeks, just forget about it. This is totally different. <laughs> yeah. And all they know is that they're getting out at two o'clock and they can finally go to the pool and, yeah, enjoy, exactly. and enjoy that second Friday. Uh, I understand. I know we, we enjoy uh, uh, having you guys at, at the event. You guys have those those great stickers everybody puts on their laptops now, including I mean, I know I outfitted my whole office with uh, with your stickers that you had, those sheets of stickers you had. Uh the, the reason we we wanted to have you on is is all things all things Mac and I know you guys you, you specialize you specialize in that you I think you've been using Macs from what I know about you since it was those those little Macintosh uh, I don't even know what they were called back yeah back in the day. it's an old Mac plus yeah it's it's still in the middle of my house it's uh it's it's like one of our centerpieces it still works um but yeah I, I got a Mac in 1989 I actually asked for an Amiga because uh, they can play games on that but then they're like no you're in college you need to do work so <laughs> yeah yeah i ended up getting mac plus and then that was the beginning of that yeah i know you i know you're one of the leaders at mac mac uh forensics uh very interesting to me i, I i've taken a, a few mac forensics classes um over the years but it, it, it some of the classes are always in a perfect world environment once you have that image of the mac once you have the, the yeah you know, and you're going from there but a lot of the battle is is getting is getting the actual image especially nowadays it's changed and i know you have a a, a little presentation prepared uh, we could just hopefully for our viewers and our listeners um help help us all out in, in yeah the, yeah the, sure the can, modern world of math forensics yeah absolutely and we can talk about each each slide if you want to um can we go ahead and share that and share it now yeah go ahead absolutely all right so I'm going to go ahead and share my screen quick and, and feel free to jump in and ask when you have questions. But um, the way the way I kind of explain things uh, in, a, in a quick presentation to everyone about Mac forensics and it, it's it's things have changed like from quite a long time ago. So back when we were talking about that Mac plus I had, you know, if you if you use Windows to do an analysis or Linux to do analysis of Mac, no, no real big deal. I mean, there were some things that are way different about you know max as as opposed to anything else but really not something so much that would be a problem so and the, the other thing that's happened is that with modern file systems and modern technologies and um everything that's happening now within the mac environment and and other operating systems and file systems um things are different than what i was taught when i first went through iasis you know in 1999 mm -hmm. and all the other training that i had since then so i've had thousands of hours of training i delivered you know tens of thousands of hour training the the thing is is that we, we're used to like for example trying to get a physical image trying to preserve that that crime scene right like like it was a, a a traditional crime scene where we put the yellow crime tape up but we don't want to contaminate it so we were kind of taught to like kind of pull the plug you know back in the old yeah. days and that would kind of lock it down and even back then it was wrong and i think that's funny because nobody really considered talking about volatile data or encryption so we were just like just pull the plug you'll be fine oh by the way here's a here, here's a cert that you guys can have so, um, and so we were kind of, you know, so we didn't think about that kind of stuff. But nowadays, those kind of things are just natively built into the operating systems. And because of that, the traditional forensics that we were used to, where we pull the plug and try to make a physical image and don't step on the crime scene, basically, or the digital crime scene, you know, that's almost impossible nowadays. Because what happens is, you know, we're, we're used to that dead box analysis um, where we, again, we try to make a bit for bit copy um, or right. forensic copy, and, and we just analyze that file system for artifacts. And so nowadays with, with, with Max, it, again, and, and other file systems are following the same, same path. And, and you'll see it soon. So pretty soon, 
you'll be doing podcasts with other people on the window side going, oh my gosh, what just changed? So everything will be changing soon. Yeah. So um, th this is kind of where I kind of show the slide from the, like a matrix, this little screenshot, but it fits in perfectly well with when I'm talking to people or trying to train them or trying to convince them of what they need to do. Um, and this is a scene from the matrix where, where um, Morpheus is asking Neo like, hey, you know, I know you've seen some strange stuff. I can show you all of it, but you got to pick, right? Do, do you want to take the blue pill and the story ends and you wake up in your bed and you believe everything you want to believe, or you take the red pill and you stay in Wonderland and I show you how far the rabbit hole goes. And the last line is, is really cool too, because it says, remember all I'm offering you is the truth, nothing more. So when I, when I like to teach, I like to just state facts, right? It's up to you to validate and test. So even when I talk to people, I, I tell everybody, consider me a liar until you actually tested and validated yourself. And when you've tested and validated yourself, then, then it's true. Right, so I'm gonna go ahead and show you some things here, which are yeah. just basically facts. It's up for you to test and validate. I kind of highly encourage it with you because you need to do that in at least a U.S. court law anyway to 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 you know basically qualify as an expert. Um, so here's the problem: since the early days of of Max, right, um, and we're talking quite a long time ago. Um, Windows Forensics Tools or other non-native tools, I'm gonna to call them, basically had issues processing Macs. And we've been dealing with it ever since. And we've kind of like a lot of the uh, tool developers th that make the forensics tools kind of poo-pooed everything and just was like, yeah, yeah, we'll do the best we can and just we'll just move on. But sometimes the best we can is not good enough, right? If there is evidence that's out there that can either prove you know guilt or innocence, it's our job to find it. Mm -hmm. So if you don't find all the evidence and you're okay with that, I'm I'm not okay with that. So that's one of the biggest issues I had quite a long time ago. And I kind of discovered this by, by accident because um, when I was actually helping out another uh, forensics you know, tool company, basically like a, a pretty popular one back at the time, I, I, I offered to help them develop a class on how to do Mac forensics with their tool. What I found out was I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't do it properly is the best word to see. There was things that were really like, I guess, horrific to find out at the time. And then just, just to say, just to be fair, since then that consultation I did with them turned into, you know, adding new features to their tools. So things got better, but they can't be perfect. So I can tell you an early story too, is that the very first forensics tool, you know, that we are familiar with as far as a GUI based tool was actually developed on a Mac for the reason that Macs understand Macs and they also stand, understand Windows, right? Yes. It's kind of like what we do with our tools, um, same thing. When I try to redevelop like a forensic tool, I don't want to redevelop what somebody already has. I, I said to myself, if money wasn't an issue, you know, if that wasn't the driving factor behind us making tools, you know, what tool would I start with and I, or platform? And I basically was like, okay, well, Macs understand Macs and they're hard to, to parse and understand. So obviously Macs can understand a Mac. But can Macs understand Windows? Yes. Can understand Unix, Linux, you know, everything else, Android, you know, iOS? Yes, 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 yes. Can Windows do it? No. So, you know, if you try to plug a, um, an HFS or an APFS drive into a Windows machine, the first thing it asks you to oh, do is what? Right. It, it, yeah. It's, it's, it, it's not going to, it's not going to accept it. You know, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Would you like me to format, format it? Format it. Format it. Yeah. And it's, it's, and that's why I have my own, I, I have my own, you know, one of my, Every time you go to NCFI, you get a hard drive of some sort, and I and I have my own dedicated, you know, uh, you know, APFS uh, uh, hard drive that I use exclusively just for Macs, and it's 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 just a talk in the Mac environment, absolutely.
Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I'm not, again, I'm not bashing any other tools out there or any manufacturer, like get all the tools you can. I, we, we encourage everybody to grab as many tools as you can and use the best features of each. Right. Yeah. But, so you, no, yeah, okay. but then you have what well, I, I know there's difficulty with it, but then you have like X fat is sort of like the, the middle ground of both, isn't it? But, but I think Macs get a little testy if the file's too big with X fat. Is that, is that what it is? No, not really. Um, I so thought there was. Yeah, so there's some little issues with around center around FAT32. So uh, Mac uses what's called VFAT, like Linux, at dozen right. Unix computers, and it has a file size limitation of two gigs, so instead of four gigs. No, but I thought that with the XFAT file system, there was there was some more there was some more compatibility with it, but only it was like more of a limit. That, that, that... Yeah. So what happened was, is Apple being more advanced than everybody else, the next issue that came up with XFAT was. Apple was using good partition tables where everybody else wasn't. Okay. And still like Windows 7 around that time, if you formatted something on the Mac and brought it back into, you know, Windows environment, it wouldn't see it. So, yeah. you know, like, and we had the same issue with Paladin, right? So, um, you know, Paladin is our tool and we were on top of things. So the, mm -hmm. yeah. the, the partition scheme was different in Linux and Mac, but if, and then when you brought it back into Windows 7, it was a newer, um, you know, G, a newer partition scheme that wasn't supported by Windows 7. So everybody was still using Windows 7 for their forensics tools. And we had to say, no, 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 you format on your Windows computer first before you bring it into, a, you know, into Paladin or, or Mac or something. Yeah. So that was kind of the issues that I could I remember, but not really much on the file sizes that I can remember. Okay. I thought, it, I, I thought for some reason that, that, that was it. I, I know, um, uh, trying to image Max in the past, I, I, I thought for a while you could use an XFAT. Uh, formatted drive, but then yeah. it, it 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 just in the last years wasn't going away, and then then of course everything's changed in the last three four years with it. So yeah, so it kind of a good segue into what you're talking about. Like so, there's another issues with XFAT or anything that's a non-native um, file system to Apple, and and that is the introduction of Apple Extended Metadata, which came about in in Mac OS 10.4, so quite a long time ago, and that was the same time they introduced the Intel chipsets, and that was around 2005 2006. So um, when they introduced that, Apple changed everything. That's when I got really scared and I realized, oh, this is bad. This is bad. Like, you know, like Windows tools, you know, the ones that we were used to using, right? The ones I used and everybody else used, they weren't picking up on this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and what is, what is even more concerning is that you're, you're being shown the wrong data or not seeing it at all. And so, again, back to what is, is we have to do as law enforcement or corporate, right? Uh, I, I don't, I mean, I've helped with cases where we're talking companies are suing each other for millions and millions of dollars, right? You, you can't be, you don't want to be wrong. And then even more important than that, right? If you're from the law enforcement side, you know, you're, you're basically presenting evidence in court of law that is going to turn someone's, you know, freedom, if they're going to lose their freedom or, you know, if it's a, let's say we're still dealing with states with capital punishment, right? Oh yeah. We don't, we don't want to make mistakes. No, Absolutely. Like, but because of the limitations of these these technologies and tools that you know you're not getting all the information so you don't have all the information to report on that's when i got really scared so that's when i kind of like do delve into it more into like what what we're missing and of course me being a mac guy um you know i, I kind of learned my windows forensics on a mac so that's kind of how i got into it when i went to these windows training courses i only had a mac and i'm like well how do you do that on a mac and they're like well there's no evidence on a mac don't worry about it <laughs> that was the answer i got so so i had to figure it out so i learned how to do both windows forensics and mac forensics on a mac and and that's kind of what i did because it's you know back when things are more expensive and yeah you know, 
paying for your own stuff, right? So, um, but yeah, so this extended metadata became a, a huge issue, which I can talk about more and show you some examples. Oh, sure, absolutely. Um, but some other things that still haven't even been solved to this day, right, is is these non-traditional disks. And this is like I talked earlier about, you know, we're used to physical disks and logical volumes. And, you know, we want to try to get an image of the physical disk. Everybody has in their head right now, you got to get a physical disk image. You got to get a physical disk image. Well, what if you can't? Correct. What if you can't anymore? So that's that's what people like. That's where the red pill, blue pill comes in. You you got to understand. You may want that, but it, it's not practical or not even possible anymore, because Apple's using a combination of synthesized disks and virtual disks and virtual volumes, and it's really really complicated how they kind of put what we see together as a single drive as a as a user. It is not really, really simplistic at all. It's very complex and complicated and using a lot of different proprietary technologies that no tools really fully understand because APFS and, and other technologies that Apple produces, although it may came from the Unix world and it was tweaked a little bit by Apple, they never fully released the specifications for it. So nobody has the ability to fully decrypt these or fully you know, extract all the data or see everything. It, it's a problem. And a good example, this is back when Apple, um, do you guys, do you remember the fusion drives? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, fusion drive is like this really neat thing that Apple kind of borrowed from someone else. They're, they're really good at that. Um, <laughs> where they, where they, they, they always take someone else's idea and improve upon it. Right. It, it, yeah. It's influenced, I guess you could say. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're making money, but. The, the, so it was a small SSD for for speed, right? So you know you put the, the files you want to use or the operating system files um, on the SSD, and then you just use a spinning platter for um, long-term storage, right? So you combine that together, and the user sees it as a single drive, but really it's two physical disks. And it was it was kind of mashed together um, using what's called um, core storage, which which is a type of logical volume management that you know from the Linux world and the Unix worlds. So the thing is though is that what kind of made things confusing is that if you're imaging the two physical disks and you're trying to bring them in a, in a, in a traditional forensic tool, I'll call it, there's no way to put that back together. Um, so I don't think to this day anybody's ever figured that out other than, you know, our solutions that work on yeah, Mac. Not, not like, a, like a RAID system in a Windows, you know, environment, I guess you could say. It's, yeah. you, you know, it's, it's, you'd think it would work like that, but it, but it does not. So, yeah, and it, what was even more interesting was back in the day, um, that went, let's say that Apple had like just a single physical disk, not a fusion drive, it would still use core storage, right, to, to actually interact with that disk. And then that's when all the forensics tools broke, like all the forensics tools that you know and love, they all broke back then and nobody could load an actual image of a Mac for about a year or two. <laughs> so like they, it took them a long time to figure out how to catch up to, to do a single disk core storage. But I don't even think to this day anybody can do a, a dual disk cool storage or traditional fusion drive. So that that makes it really hard to, you know, deal with as well. Like this is just the beginnings and you know this stuff. And it gets worse. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I oh I know. <laughs> so, uh, if you can still see my screen, right? Yes. This is the output of um, just basically a command in the Mac to just say, hey, here, just just list my disks, right? Just list my disks to my Mac. And if we know, like, you know, if we're familiar with like how Linux does stuff with like SDA or HDA and HDB and HDA, that, that, that's kind of like in, in the naming conventions. Well, in Mac, right, it starts with disk zero. zero. Yep. And then that would be your first physical disk. And then, you know, each other one, it would be like, you know, disk one, disk two, disk three, those would be your subsequent physical disks. But if you look at this one here and you can see there's a disk three there, right? So you would think in your mind, you know, okay, this must have four physical disks in it. It only has one. 
And so as we go down it, and this is probably better where I, I show you like a, an actual um, terminal. I can bring that up for you really quickly here. So let me go ahead and bring that up. Um, and I'll run this command. So it's a simple command you can run. It's just a disk util list. So disk util list. And, and that was the output, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to walk through this, how crazy this is, right? So what we have, and I'll do it fast really quick. So you have a, a physical disk, a real traditional physical disk that has a logical volume that's used to make a synthesized disk that creates um, a container scheme. And under that container disk, you're going to have virtualized volumes. Um, there's the Macintosh HD, but that's not the one that you're looking for that you see up here. Um, and then you have a Macintosh HD down here. That's not the one you're really looking for. That's only part of what you're looking for. And you need to kind of combine this with the other one, but you don't combine it with this one. You combine it with this one, which is a snapshot. So that snapshot plus that data volume there is what makes your Macintosh HD. And that those are virtualized volumes underneath the yes. container disk, which is synthesized from a logical volume off of a real traditional physical disk. Do you see how complicated this can be? It's tremendous. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to just pretend to be uh, yeah, caught up with with it. But yes, um, but that that's I'm, I mean, that's, well, let me, that's what we deal with on a daily basis, though, is, is, is yeah, that we're dealing with Max. I can make this a little bit easier, right? So I'll make this super simple for you. Yeah, dim it, dim it down for our viewers, just so in case. Yeah, you, yeah. Pretend right. I'm the dumbest guy in the room or in the world. Yeah. Just go ahead so, and... <laughs> yeah, so the best thing to remember is everybody's familiar with physical disks and logical volumes. Right. We're, we're going to add one more layer in the middle, and that's going to be a container disk. So that that basically that real secondary like partition, right? That second partition here, we see disk zero slice two. That second partition is used to create this container here, right? You right. see we have this container scheme. So don't worry about the zeros here, but it's the partition scheme or container scheme. So it that logical uh, partition makes this synthesized disk. And see the size here? I have a one terabyte drive. So it's about one terabyte, right? Yes. So it makes yep. it about a one terabyte container. And underneath the one terabyte container, you have all these different volumes. Most of these are read-only, um, so you don't have to worry about them. The only one you really have to worry about is that one right there. That is your data volume. So you can see that's larger than everything else I have, right? Mm -hmm. So that's um, 132 gigabytes right now. That's where all the data that a user or the system can store. Because here's what's interesting, right? What Apple does now is they use what's called signed system volumes. So when you download an update or install Mac OS, right, it has to be connected to the internet. It goes back and checks with Apple servers that it is authorized to run on your unique specific piece of hardware and that it actually matches the, you know, the, the hash values that they have, right? So then you get your system volume is right here and that's going to include all your system files, everything for the computer run, basically your kernel, right? And, and native applications. Then what happens is that everything's verified to be okay. It makes a snapshot of itself, which is this one right here. So we see disk three, slice one, snapshot one. So it basically duplicates the system volume, which is read-only. See 9.1 and 9.1, they're the same. And it's also read-only, right? right? Then you have your reboot and recovery, which is for you know recovering your operating system, different things working within that environment. They're read-only, so nothing to worry about there. The only thing, and then the VM here is for swap virtual memory stuff, but you can see it's always small and it's encrypted. It's kilobytes as opposed to megabytes or gigabytes. So nothing to see there, nothing to worry about. Right here is what you have to worry about. This is the only place a user or the system itself can write non-persistent data, like, you know, data that didn't come down with the system itself, you know, from the download. That technically is the only thing you need to image. I got That's you. So, 
Okay, so when you uh, when you have that the slice one the, the the snapshot it takes that is just that is just Apple talking to the computer, correct? Ver yeah, like the verification the of saying of yes everything every everything's legit here, correct? Yeah. So check this out. It's just like what we do in forensics, right? We we make a copy of the original, right? And we work off the copy right. and we put the original way. So this is the original. We make a copy. We work off of this and put the other way. But for and same thing, right? When we look off the uh, even the copy of it, we write protect it. So the same thing. It's write protected, yeah, okay. write protected. Yeah, that's only. the yeah. only thing that you so can write data yeah. to. Yep. And so that's all right. Got it. Perfect. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, it, but it's, but so here's the crazy thing, right? To interpret all this stuff, it, you know, it, it's, it's very, very complicated. It's very proprietary and, and other, anything other than a Mac is going to have a hard time doing it. Right. So anything other Mac, you have to reverse engineer and try to pull this data or try to make sense of it. And, and that's what it is. It's reverse engineering. Yeah. And the problem with that, not to bash anybody's doing it because they're smart people that do this stuff, right? It, it's just you're not always going to get it 100% perfect. Where if you use a Mac to do a Mac, you will always get it 100% perfect. So it's almost the, you know, the, the puzzle you have as kids, the square and the circle hole type thing. It's Yeah, it, exactly. It, yep. And I actually You can probably jam it, it down, but it's not going to, it's not going to be 100%. Yeah, it's not going to be the, yeah, it's the most pretty the, thing in the world. Yeah, we can we can bang things pretty hard, but it's not always going <laughs> yeah. to be perfect. Which you know that brings me to this next slide, which I'll talk about here, right? So, I, I kind of mentioned that this data partition is the only thing that you can write to. So, well, what about the rest of it? So, like I have a one terabyte drive in here. In this example here, I have 113 gigs. So, and I said that's the only thing you need to image. Well, why will be why bother imaging anything else, right? So everybody's like, well, for deleted files, and that becomes another issue. So. Mac way back since 10.6, 10.7 or late versions of 10.6 have trim turned on for any SSDs that were installed by Apple. So if you have any SSD installed by Apple since then, trim's turned on by default. And basically the way trim works is that if you, it, it preserves the longevity of the, of the SSD, but if in order for it to work, any files that are deleted, it clears those out instantly um, so that because nothing can be written to a cell that has data in it. So trim clears it out immediately gotcha. to just to prepare for the day. And it tries to basically do wear leveling and stuff like that. So that the people that what people have to understand is that's an instantaneous process. It's not, it's literally like nanoseconds that a file, once you do the file, it's truly gone. And, so it, and it's, it's fluid as it happens. It's not like once a day it does it, it clears it. it it's exactly. conti continuously cleaning up. Yeah, this is okay. not like the old days and the old controller files and stuff like this right. is like, and nowadays there's, you know, the logic boards in a Mac are just one piece, right? You have a, you know, system one chip with the, with the SOCs, right? The Apple Silicon processors, the actual, the area where your, you know, SSDs typically are, are just, they're just soldered, you know, they're, they're, they're integrated with the logic board, I should say. I don't want to say soldered. They're integrated with the logic board. So it's, it's literally one piece. It's just one piece. You're not pulling it off. You're not doing ISP. You're not doing chip off because of something we can talk about later, like secure enclaves. So again, back to that data volume that's here, right? If you can, if there's nothing to recover in free space, let's say, if there was any free space out there to be recovered from, you're, it's, there's nothing there. It trim takes care of it. So the only thing you really need to get is the data volume. Gotcha. So instead of imaging like a full terabyte, you really in this situation here just have to go for 114. Yeah, gigabyte. yeah, I understand. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that's that's another hard thing for people to understand because everybody's just sold on doing, you know, the um, how do I say, just going out and grabbing the full disk. So um, well, because like and like you said though, but that traditionally that's what we were taught. 
you know, so anybody who's yeah. been doing this for any time, it, it's, it's, you know, that's what and, everybody's just, that's, that's yep. the, that's the way of thinking. So and that's all, the way we're trained. All, all the things your grandmother told you keep coming back <laughs> in your head, right? You're right. Old habits are hard to die. Right. You teach a dog new tricks, right? You know, like all these things I, I just, I, I, I hear it every day. I see it every day. So now what about deleted files, right? There, there was a point in time where, because of, I'm going to say creative marketing, right? Um, there was claims that you could cover deleted files from APFS, which again, if trim takes care of everything, then the answer is no. So what you can recover if it exists is local time machine snapshots. And that's really important to understand too, especially by doing things natively, like using a Mac to do a Mac or truly Mac native technologies, because um, Mac will always understand Mac. And, you know, the way that we approach things with what we do in our training and also within our tools is just use Mac native technologies to do stuff because it's 100% correct all the time. Mm -hmm. So it just makes sense, right? Now, deleted files, right? So um, you're familiar with time machine backups, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So a time machine backup is is just Mac's native automatic backup process, right? You connect the disk or something that can store backups, and it'll say, "Do you want to use it as a backup?" You go, "Yes," and then just every time you have it connected, it's it's going to back up to that disk, you know, every hour and the hour. Now the question is, do you know what happens when you don't have that disk connected anymore? Uh, no, I do not. No. So it still makes a backup, but now it's backing up locally. And so what happens is it's going to back up not as like as as thorough as you would with the disconnected, like the time machine disconnected, but it's still backed it up. So and a lot of people don't know this, especially, um, you know, when we're doing investigations, it's, you know, most most users of a Mac um, don't know that their machine is still backing up to a local disk. So I can give you an example of this as well, too. So let me just go back down to my terminal again here and let me clear this up. So if we do tmutil list local snapshots and we're going to point it to root and I see I have one snapshot for this disk right now, right? So I could have had my time machine disk connected recently or maybe it's, it's overwritten itself or something, but I do have a local time machine snapshot, which was a few hours ago, like the beginning of the hour. Yep, the beginning of the hour, so not too long ago. Now, this will continue throughout the day. This will continue throughout the day. Now, the great thing about this is I've deleted a bunch of files before we did this presentation. Like, let me clean up my desktop, like mm -hmm. clean my house, right? Um, maybe I'm a bad guy and those were incriminating files, illicit files or something like that. And I threw them when I emptied my trash and I'm thinking like, okay, I'm good. Nobody's going to catch me. It's probably in here. It's probably captured in that snapshot. So if you know how to process these snapshots, you can recover the actual full files, the you know dates and times, all, everything, the paths, all that stuff. In here. It's literally the way APFS works. It can make a snapshot in an instant, and you have everything. And so then everything's going to be there. Not, I don't want to get ahead of your presentation. Where, where is where is that stored in that in that data mix that we talked about a few slides ago? No, so uh, that's the interesting part of this, right? It's on the data partition. Okay. It's actually in a data partition. It's not like off in there, but you can't navigate it to you can't navigate it to it in the uh, the GUI. Okay. So it's you can't you can't. So it's not like it's um it's 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 there and it's allocated right, but it's nothing that you can access through the GUI. You're going to have to use Apple native commands to access. You're going to have it. to go command line for this. Yep. Okay. And, and mount it and and even better, they offer you the ability to do differential analysis, which is what we do. 
with our imaging tools, right? So we, we have with Recon ITR, for example, with our tools, we built in the ability to not only identify the snapshots at the time of imaging, but do differential analysis at the time of imaging and only get you what you need. So the thing is, you, you know, you're not going to, like, say there's 13 local time machine snapshots, you, you don't want another 13, eight terabyte images, right? right. <laughs> right. You just want to get what you want. So there's, there's certain things that you're going to look for within those snapshots, we pull those out for you. And that all can be done, you know, with, with just a simple command here with TMUtil, which is kind of interesting. Okay. Wow. Nice. I learned something new every day, and this is definitely something I've learned today. So yeah, it, and it's again, it's important to know about this because what was happening in the past is that um, other, I guess, um, other you know, tools were basically just trying to carve that data, you know. Which and then if you ever try to carve from an SSD, right? You're, it's not going to be, um, you know, how do I say this? It's not going to be. Um, um, oh my gosh, I'm having a little thing here. It's going to be uh, fragmented, right? It's it's going to be. It's not. It's not going to be all together. So it's, it's going to be, maybe you're going to get a small chunk, like a, you know, cluster size or a block size, and that's all you're going to get. So it makes it very difficult to even carve that to recover deleted files because most files are going to be larger than 4096, right? Right. So it's going to be great. So it's like a, uh, just getting a big box of different Lego parts out of the closet. It's nothing, yeah, yeah, nothing, exactly. nothing that's connected. You just have a big that, that's box. That's a good of, example. You got a good, a, a big box of parts. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good analogy. Um, and then the other thing that makes things more difficult is Apple still uses File Vault, which is their building mm -hmm. software encryption. So they have hardware encryption and they also have software encryption in addition to proprietary technologies. And, and you can think of File Vault as like any other type of software encryption, like BitLocker and Windows or something like that. Um, but there's a difference of how this works between your Intel Macs, um, you know, the traditional Intel Macs, your Intel Macs with a T2, and then your Apple Silicon processors now, but it's still something that you can have in all those situations. So, you know, even though everything's hardware encrypted now and you have the secure enclaves, uh, you can still turn on File Vault on top of it, or you can have external drives that are still locked up with File Vault. So again, that's another thing to be aware of um, when you're doing your examinations or when you're um, dealing with your imaging. Um, passwords are definitely gonna be the key going forward for everyone. You know, in any Mac investigations without a password, oh. you're, you're pretty much done. Yep. Yep. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, they, they don't, the submitting agencies or, a, you know, detectives, they don't like to hear that, but that's, you know, that, I, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I almost want to have you on loop in our intake area saying that this way they, they, they fully understand that that's actually the case. That's the reality today with that. Oh yeah. That's, so. that's, that's a hard thing to understand too. Cause we're, we're on autopilot when we go out there. So. <laughs> based on from software encryption to hardware encryption, right? So so the T2 was the first that was introduced um, to the, the desktops or the Macs themselves as far as hardware-based encryption. And and everybody still remembers the T2 because it was scary when it first yes. came out. Like yeah. It's the end of Mac forensics type thing. Um, and then basically the equivalent of what the T2 does is built into Apple Silicon processors and it's just called a secure enclave. So the secure enclave, which is what a T2 chipset really is, is built into all Apple Silicon processors, and it'll be that way forever, right? So without knowing the, without authenticating, you know, to the, the system, right, to the hardware, mm -hmm. there's no way to decrypt the data. So Macs are essentially like giant iPhones, because you probably remember, do you remember back in the day when you couldn't take a physical image anymore of an iPhone? Right, absolutely, yep. 
Yeah, yep. that's because yeah, that's because at the time they they made all the data on on disk encrypted, and they used a core of the processors, one of the cores, to actually do the decryption, and then they built their own processor, security processor to decrypt the secure enclave, which was the T1. They enhanced that, made a T2, and they're like, hey, let's just throw that into the Mac. And oh, by the way, since we're making our own chips, let's just build that into the chipset itself. Yes. So all data on Macs are encrypted at rest. There's no way to ISP, chip off, remove them, image them, nothing. You have to pass the data through the secure enclave once you've authenticated. So that's the important thing. So that little, you know, bright yellow thing at the bottom there, an admin password must be known in order to access the data. Otherwise, you're not going to get it. There's no way to get it. So you're, you're just done. And I say this every episode uh, that I do. I'm, and I'm, I have an iPhone. I have, I have Macs. The American citizen in me loves the fact that Apple makes this extremely difficult or, or protects everything for, for the user. But then again, the, 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 the due diligent uh, police officer in me finds it to be quite the pain in the butt. Uh, that they make it so difficult for us, even though we do all the right things with all the with all the legal process and all the proper protocols and procedures. So it's, it's sort of like I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm in a constant, you know, Bruce Banner, you know, the Hulk type situation where I'm just in, no. in, in always in a conflict. But yeah, the way I explain it, right, is like as long as you're not doing anything wrong, you have a right to privacy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> The minute yeah. you step over line and you know you're endangering someone's life or something like that, then you don't have a right to privacy. Anymore. Yeah, I, I, you know if that was if you know I can make my own state or country, but um no, so you're right. Apple has the ability, has the you know, I guess how do you say it has the responsibility of protecting users' data, which of course right you want to protect users' data for those that are doing good, right, that are not doing anything bad, um and you know they can't they can't come out there and say well we made a back door. For, for any reason, right? right. Because it would be a security thing. But it is important to us as law enforcement that, you know, when we do have to protect the public or if it's a national security issue that, you know, we, we do need to have ways of getting into it. But oh, sure. it's, becoming, yeah. it's becoming trickier. And, you know, so a, a password is key when you're doing your investigations or if first responders are going out, you know, um, you, they got to be trained to ask for it or at least know what the legal authority is to do mm -hmm. to, to gain access or even use biometrics. Is there, is there, um, I don't know if you're going to get into it. I, I, I don't want to jump ahead. Uh, RAM analysis you can do if you come across a live Mac or anything. You know what, for the longest time, um, the answer was no, right? The answer was no. Um, it, it used to be right. You used to be able to image, um, Mac Ram, just like it was a regular, like a disc in the, in the computer. Um, but then they protected it. Um, and then there were some tools out there that, um, you could actually image them, but you know, it was like a, it was tricky to do it because it had kernel conflicts, right? Yeah. Then Apple has everything signed now, all your applications, all your kernel extensions. So anything that has to interact with the kernel, um, which is the real, you know, you know, deep down operating system, the true operating system, that also has to be signed by Apple. And I wasn't aware of anything until recently that could interact with Mac RAM, but there is one tool out there that can. And that is, um, I want to say this wrong, but it's Volcano and Surge, okay. I believe. From the guys that did um the old volatility tools so that's the their commercial version of the tools now so you can check them out they actually have signed kernel extensions to image ram and okay. that's the only tools i know of to do it right now okay all right 
Yep. Uh, yeah, because I never, haven't recent years even heard anything about it, so I don't know if I was missing out on something or if it's just that was just something that doesn't happen anymore. Um, so no, it, it's um they've they've been doing it, um but it's again they're the only ones that I know of that have the actual um, authority to do it, okay. and so it's it's legit. So cool. it's, it's it's not one of those ones that you know again somebody just makes one and hope it doesn't crash the system. <laughs> right. So let's see what else we got in here. Oh, logical imaging. So that we talked about physical imaging and, and a lot of people want to do it. Um, but then nowadays when you're dealing with um, everything that's being synthesized and virtualized and kind of smashed together ma magically to make that Macintosh HD, right? There, there's a lot of times now that you don't need to do full disk imaging or it's impossible to do it. So that's something that everybody's just going to have to understand and, and try to, and try to, work with and if, if you go back to what i showed you before right with the data volume it's the only place that you can write data right either the system or a user it's the only place changes can be made right so that's that's technically the only thing that you need to do an analysis mm -hmm. so that's that actually makes life easier once you wrap your head around it and you you know get past the point that you don't have to image the whole desk right so and there's different types of imaging which i can show you a little screenshot here at the end um, it gets, it does get kind of tricky with all the different scenarios that you can run into. But um, when you do logical imaging, that does introduce, right, some other challenges like changes to timestamps, right? Right. Anytime that you take uh, a, a file from one location and put it on another location, you're changing timestamps. So that's something that has to be considered when you're doing this type of imaging as well. So, um, and then plus those extended attributes, right? Those are the things that are um, um, also really important um to, to to capture and then that's super proprietary to the mac and if you don't do your imaging right you lose that as well so you're changing timestamps and losing extended attributes so you have to be really careful about doing your imaging and how you do it so that that's kind of leads up to where i am now it's like what what actually do you image right so there's kind of two schools of thoughts on this and option one and option two so option one is is where you 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 do imaging and that is going to then lead to reverse engineering to to pull the artifacts out right so there is one school of thought where or i guess you say one way that others do it where they're going to go traditionally for like the synthesized disk mm -hmm. so they're going to like if you got eight terabytes but you're only using 100 gigabytes you're going to have to image all eight terabytes eight, yeah. to do the reverse engineering so they'll they'll you know, do the hard way. I say the hard way, right? Reinvent the wheel. <laughs> they, they go out there and they'll do really smart things and try to reverse engineer those containers and synthesize disks to pull out any artifacts that they can. And then option two is the way that we like to go, which is just, just native imaging. So, you know, there's tons like Apple's knows Apple, you know, Max understands Max, and there's tons of, you know, integrated commands and, and binary that's there that you can use to, to, to image the Mac and retain everything so that's that's the option that we traditionally teach in our classes and you know what we integrate in our tools so those are the two different ways to do it and there the the problem is that i've found over time when i'm talking to people is because traditional forensic tools have been just you know bashed into people's heads for so long you know you got to get a new one you got to get x one you got to do this you got to do that you know you got to get a physical disk and then when you tell them they don't have to and they use like, you know, Apple native formats because Apple understands Apple and Mac understands Mac, mm -hmm. they don't want to listen to you. That's, again, back to the red blue, blue pill thing, right? They just want to take the blue pill and live in the world the way they want to right. and think that everything's the same. But they're going to – so the, the easiest thing I can say is anytime you step outside of the Mac ecosystem, you're, you're going to lose data. 
there's a chance you're going to lose data completely or you know not be able to do your job either at the time of imaging or at the time of analysis um at any point right that you step off of a truly native you know mac platform or or analysis tool then you're, you're actually going to to lose some data it's you know, no one has got it 100 percent correct but macs always understand a mac so when like for example when we do those classes down at iasis you know our um basically the introductory class and then the advanced class we don't teach you, we don't show you any of our tools we, we just use the mac that you bring with you yeah because you can do everything with the mac that you have right here you know automated tools are exactly that they're just automation they're just making it faster that what you can do manually so we really really focus on you know just understanding what's happening how you can do it you know manually and do it yourself just in case you have to and that's another good point right so like how many um forensics tools out there that you know that can do all four million apps on the app store you know like in no. google or yeah none no, so that's, yeah and that's why you know i was a mobile device uh instructor for a couple of years and that's what you teach is fill in the blanks it's no no offense to the software companies they just can't they're trying to keep up with the apps and all the updates so it's up to you to go into the databases to find the, the, the to find the missing pieces, you know, manually. Yeah. So, so a little yeah. little known fact, right? So I, I went back to an iPhone, but I was a Pixel user forever, and I remember that you know my like I would there would be like applications that would update like three times a day, the same <laughs> application. Like how do you how's any forensic you know developers right. comfortable to keep up with that? It's impossible. You know, so you you are going to have to kind of um, rely on doing manual analysis. It's just it's just the way things are. Yes, yes. And I, I ran into that option one you have there. That's what I ran into last week when we talked earlier in this week. Uh, it was I think I maybe had less than two hundred fifty six of actual data, but it wanted to bring over the whole. It was four terabytes, and yeah, that, and now yeah. I was like, oh my, uh, that's and that, I'm trying to trying to lessen that so I don't have to I don't have have four terabytes, and that's just size wise. Um, just trying to limit that. So, and really, so what it is, when you say it's, it's, it's Mac to Mac, it, you're essentially, when you connect your target or your, your suspect Mac to, I guess, what you want to call it your forensic Mac, it just sees it as a, another external drive for, for oh, a lack yeah. of better, um, for a little crude, rudimentary, you know, or does it, how does, how does it see it? I mean, well, that, like... that gets tricky because now you have to, you have different options. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's why we have a decision tree. So, so this one's designed for ITR, but you can use it if you're doing manual analysis as well, because if you look at the first two questions there, does your Mac have an Apple Silicon processor or does it have a T2 security chipset? So your, your first question is, is it Intel or is it Apple Silicon? Because, you know, you're talking about, can you make it, connected to another Mac and make it be seen like, you know, it's an external drive. Right. If it's Intel, the answer is yes. If it's Apple Silicon, the answer is no. So, yeah, and, and, and that's what I've run into. I have a, a Mac from NCFI 2019, which is Intel based. And now it's just pretty much, I mean, you just put that thing away in the museum of, of Macs. Uh, and, but, but that's that well, I've, I've workarounds with other, with other Macintoshes, but my actual forensic Mac is now, um, unless I got a grandfathered, uh, Mac, it's it's sort of a relic. It's my it's going to soon to be my uh, um, uh, not my not my off duty uh, machine, my my undercover machine. When I have to you, for the investigations we run, obviously the ICAC part of it, it's just going right. to be my my undercover. So yeah, so so the answer is it's it depends, right? It depends mm -hmm. how you do it. So that that's where we it got so complicated, and, and this is kind of like a little diagram that we put together, kind of. It kind of looks like a um, a subway map. And that, and that's where yeah. 
yeah, well, that was probably me drunk in London Sunday, you know, <laughs> looking at the, the at the tube, right? Going, yeah, mind the gap. <laughs> yeah, I, probably thinking that, going, oh man, this would make a great chart for forensic imaging, you know. It's just like things just pop in my head at the weirdest times. And you can see at the little legend at the, the left-hand corner there where we have like the M1 line, which would be your mm -hmm. Apple Silicon chips, and your your blue is going to be your Intel T2 chips, and you know, green's the fusion drive, and then your purple or magenta or whatever color you want to call it is you're going to be your, your non-T2 Intel. So, you know, which would be the easiest one. But there's a lot of decisions you have to make, and the biggest ones are, like the first two is, is it Intel or is it Apple Silicon? Then the next question is, if it's Intel, does it have a T2, you know, security chip into it? Um, the next question beyond that is, do you have the password, right? And then you have Fusion drives, you have File Vault. So there's all these different variables that um, can be introduced, you know, into your imaging that you have to consider at the time of imaging, which is why we put this chart together. So because it's, it's too complicated to give you like, oh, we just do this all the time. Right. Because yeah. it's not just do this all the time. So this is the like kind of like the shortcuts to get you there faster to where you're going. Yeah, you're and, and it should be like, or you are, you know, you are here. <laughs> you know, the no, exactly. yeah, you can stop now. <laughs> so we're we're also doing is um, we're actually in the middle of a very big, huge recode right now of all of our software because Apple killed the uh, Intel chipsets, mm -hmm. which gives us the ability, which is uh, gives us the ability to move on now. It's like okay, it's done. You know they're they're done with Intel now. They officially announced it. Now we can just move on, right? With with just Apple Silicon and then the future of Mac. So uh, a lot of the stuff that we're reintroducing into the tools is um, better logic, right? So where you, you don't have to think. It's more along the lines of, you know, if we can figure it out for you, so you don't have to because you have other important things to do. We're we're integrating that. So yeah, yeah. awesome. So let's see what we got here. Oh, this is really important. So. The, uh, viewing the wrong timestamp. So I, I mentioned before in the very beginning of this that, it, it, you know, at, there's there's a lot of things that can go wrong when you're when you're not using a Mac to look at a Mac or a truly Mac native tool, um, where or trying to reverse engineer stuff. And what what can happen is you could either be looking at the wrong timestamps or not even see the correct timestamps. Um, and that's kind of something that we definitely should hit upon or talk about because you're familiar with your your and this is no pun intended, right? Your your Mac times. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Your modified access created, right? Everybody's familiar with that. So there's certain POSIX or Unix timestamps that are very similar to, you know, the Windows timestamps and everybody's just, just familiar with them. Now, what most traditional tools do um, is they pull out the POSIX timestamps because Mac is based on Unix and it's easy for them to do that. And an example that we can use is like this screenshot. We're using StatX to look at a file and then we can see the different Unix timestamps. What most people don't understand, these are the wrong timestamps. The Mac ignores these timestamps. And so think about this. Every, pretty much every forensics tool in the world is using these timestamps for your analysis. Mm -hmm. And these are the wrong timestamps. So that's, that's a huge problem. And this has been going on for a long time, which I've screamed about it all the time. So what you should be looking at is extended attribute timestamps. So, and this is where it becomes, you know, extended attributes are, are something that's built into the Mac operating system and its file system. So again, it's native to the Mac, using a Mac to look at a Mac, you're, you're totally fine. But back when Macs introduced or Apple introduced Spotlight for, for Mac OS, mm -hmm. um, the ability to do indexing and searching, they created extended attributes and that's where their timestamps now live. So the timestamps that are used by the Mac 
are extended attribute timestamps, and that's what you need to look at. And there's more than just three or four. There's probably like 30 or 40 of them that are out there right now that you can use to do your analysis instead of three or four. So 10 times the amount, let's put it that way. Um, and, and these are the correct ones. And this is, you know, really interesting. So I can give you an example of this as well. So let me just see if I can do this really quick. And I got to go back to my handy dandy trusty terminal. I want to say notebook from Blue's Clues, but I'm not going to. I had kids of that age. So, all right. So here we go. So if I do a stat X, right, stat X, and I'm going to bring this picture in here, right? Um, it's a 100th anniversary for our state police agency. Oh, nice. state police. Yeah. So they got a lot of retro vehicles right now, like labeled and stuff. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, oh yeah, it's it's awesome. So when I hit return now with StatX, right, there's there's our Unix timestamps, right? So that that's totally fine, right? Totally good and fine. But check this out, right? Look at that access timestamp. Now, here's something that Apple did that's really interesting, right? If I do and look out the extended attributes, MBLS, right? And I want to look at the date last used on this one now, right? If I go up and find a date last used, which will be up here. Last used date, it says 622, mm -hmm. right? Not today, right? Not today. It's 622 because this actually is a very interesting extended attribute timestamp. It tracks when a user literally opens the file, like click, click, and opens the file, right? So pay attention to this right here, 622. Pay attention to this right here, right? Right there, 54, 517, yep. 622, right? Now watch what happens. I'm gonna open this now the traditional way. Double click on it and I'm opening it and I'm gonna close it. Now I'll rerun this command again, right? And let's go back up and let's look at the last use date now. See that? 728. It's changed, Yeah. right? See down here for last use dates down here? It's an additional one. This is every day that I as a human being open this file or a human being open this file by going click, click. That's extended attributes. These are the timestamps you have to focus on, not the stat, um, sorry, the POSIX timestamps or Unix timestamps, because they'll lead you in the wrong direction. Okay. Uh -huh. Because what happens like system processes and daemons that are running on the Mac, they can change those timestamps by just running over those files. Like a scan or re-indexing or whatever can change that access date and you can incorrectly state or, or assume, right? Hey, the access date says this, so the user must have accessed it the system can access that file and change that timestamp. And you're looking at it, so that's why Apple does it this way. So Apple makes new timestamps. And you can see all kinds of really interesting things in here, right? In addition to just, you know, the, the, the timestamps themselves, right? These extended attributes tell me where it came from, right? This is who sent it, this yeah. is who received it. It was sent through AirDrop, it came from this phone, right? So I, I AirDropped this picture from my phone is what happened. That's why you're seeing me in there twice. But if somebody else airdrops it to me, I can see all their information, including sometimes their phone number. So you can get airdrop information from this. So if you if if somebody you know photo bombs you or something like that, you know you the New York City photo bomb things or, or it happens on airplanes. There's an actual forensic way to find out who airdropped you, you. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. If you accept the file, right? If yeah. you accept the file and they actually put their true information in there, yes, you can retrieve some of the stuff. But, okay, it's so like, I, I could, like, my Mac at, at the office is FBI surveillance van, and my other one is, this is not China. 
but yeah. it, it would just show whatever I titled it. It would it show any other exactly. would it show any other identifying information to that machine that that's actually in the machine itself. Yeah, it would just like look a like Mac this. address or anything. Just that. Okay. No, no, okay. nothing like that. So, but there there are handshakes that occur, right? So that's something where we get into advanced analysis with logging. Okay. So if you have different, so another interesting thing about Macs is if you don't turn logging on, like if you don't, if you're not looking at the logs, you get less logs, okay. right? So if you're actively looking at logs at the same time or running logs at the same time, somebody sends you an airdrop, there's a lot more data that you can, you can retrieve and you can get, you know, the handshake information yes. as well. Yep. Cool. Yeah. There, it's, it's really neat stuff. It's, it's a lot of stuff to take in. So um, let me see what else I got right here as well. Um, yeah, so I talked about the extended attributes. We kind of kind of talked about that. So the, the the most important thing to understand is that no other no other operating systems or anything else out there other than the Mac itself is, is going to get you all these extended attributes, mm -hmm. right? So like for example, um, you know, I'm playing with the newest version of iOS 17 and the newest version of, of Mac OS Sonoma that's going to come out, and there's there's new extended attributes, right? So a lot of people that are actually parsing these extended attributes and trying to support them tools are using open source tools that haven't been supported in years. So the thing is, is like, you know, when new stuff comes out, you know, they may be years behind in, in actually extracting any extended attributes. And it's an afterthought. It's not something that's built into the analysis of the tool. So that's, that's something to consider as well. So you, if, like if you literally give me a Mac image right now, and I can I can basically solve the case and mount it and solve the case right in probably about five minutes. Give me a few keywords. I can get I can get very far in the case within five minutes. Nice. Just because you know using a Mac to do a Mac. So you remember how you you pre-process everything? You know, like you know, pick any tool that you can oh, think sure. of. Right? Yeah. You, you know, you you start the tool and then you go home for the go weekend. home. Yeah, go home. It's like 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 crock pot cooking. Yeah, crock pot yeah, forensics. Yeah. You, yeah. You hope it's done when you get back. I hope the electricity didn't go out. Right. right. Oh yeah. So, right. The nice thing about Macs is that its indexing is done at the time of imaging. <laughs> so when you in it, the indexing that you when you image a Mac, you're capturing the indexing. It's already done for you. The Mac indexes itself all the That's time. That's right. Yeah. So if you use that during your analysis, or if you know how your tools can do that, right? If you can actually um, do it the native way, right? It's already done. It's already done for. There's no waiting, and you can start right away. Five minutes, you're up and running. It's it's pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we talked about statics and MDLS. Um, and the last thing I'll just end it with, unless you have questions, right, is the kind of the future of Mac, Mac forensics, some things to keep in mind. That the first one to keep in mind is that there's there's no more Intel Macs that are being sold. Right. So everything is all Apple Silicon now. So um, you're gonna have to adopt the new ways, right? It's a little different to, to image an Apple Silicon Mac or process an Apple Silicon Mac as opposed to um, an Intel Mac. So no more, no more that, right? Any, like, for example, um, if you think you're going to find something bootcamp, no more bootcamp, right? Mm -hmm. Bootcamp's gone. Yeah. Um, everything's going to be in a VM if you're dealing with Windows or other operating systems on a Mac. Um, so that one's, you're always going to be required to use a password, right? You're going to have to have it to actually be able to, to get all the data, right? So that's going to be so. So make sure you adjust your policies and procedures or if you have any influence over um, shaping laws, you know, future laws regarding that then, you know, keep that in mind, you know, to make things easier for the good guys. Um, secure enclaves are going to exist in every Mac going forward. And then I heard a rumor, which again, you know, these are just rumors and stuff that at, at you know, sometime in the future that iOS devices won't even have any ports. Yeah. I, I've, I've heard that too, that they're going to go to all that. I, I, I mean, they'll, they'll, 
if they do, they'll make it make sure that's proprietary where you got to buy five more different things to, to, to go with it and charge your phone or your, your computer or what have you not. But that, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Not right, at all. Right. Not at all. So I know my, my old Bose system doesn't work anymore with my iPhones, obviously, because they changed the port and it just, you know, who knows? Everything's bluetooth elon musk will do something in space with it where the satellites come down and charge something i don't know there'll be some kind yeah, of yeah the, the world is changing quickly <laughs> not only global warming with the heat that we're dealing with right now but um the technology as well i just saw in the news today that uh t-mobile is teaming up with starlink and oh yeah some, yeah so oh and now yeah. uh aliens exist and everybody's like oh, well yeah. We're like, well, yeah, we kind of knew that. I mean, you didn't have to. It was a big surprise. Uh, government yeah, don't, don't get me started on the conspiracy theories. I love that <laughs> oh, that's that's my other podcast I host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some other famous guys out there. Yeah, my, my 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 old conspiracy theories when they were doing Independence Day and all those other movies with Will Smith and stuff. They were just get everybody like psyched up to fight aliens. That's funny you said that. I, I that's what we talked about in my office yesterday. Was that it, all of this that's happening is like the '80s. Uh, you had Red Dawn, War Games, uh, uh, Spies Like Us. It was all to desensitize us towards nuclear war and what would happen yep. if the Russians attacked. And now, then lately, it was aliens. Where we're just it's we're so desensitized, or it's common ground for alien invasions that we're just like, well, whatever. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like get it over with. <laughs> right, right, right. It's just, but I'll tell you when when that when that happens, that's when all you know the. Uh, the build the spaceships. I'm sure all the, the plumbers, the, the the welders, everybody like that, mechanical engineers will come out of nowhere to to build spaceships or whatever. Well, no, what was that movie? That was the one with the asteroid. I'm sorry, that was Deep Impact, where they had they had to make those special space shuttles. And then uh, Armageddon too, of course. Yeah, yeah, that same yeah. Summer, but yeah, we we could go on and on about that. Uh, Steve, this is fantastic. Um, I I think I broke out in a sweat during that during that fire hose. That's an excellent excellent. Uh, material for for everybody to to listen to to watch um i know i know i learned a lot i was, I was trying to take notes even though i have uh, access to it like everybody else will wants to be published this thing uh you guys are located in uh, delaware correct right yeah because i know i know you, you you live there with the school there delaware state police but the business of course is there um tell us what's what goes on in delaware i know you, you got that big bridge that goes into maryland or maybe the one that comes from new jersey Dewey Beach. What else? What else? What what's what's happening in Delaware these days? Del Delaware, um, not well. What can I say? We have um, we have resorts, right? So it's kind of an interesting kind of state. It's three counties, just very small, right? Okay. Second small state, positioned very well, right? It's mm -hmm. driving distance just about everywhere. Cool. No taxes. No state taxes. Oh wow. Okay. Our sales tax. Sorry. Yeah. No sales okay. tax. So what what you see is what you pay, which is super nice, right? Um, we were actually able to. Um, acquire we when we were looking for another building we were releasing before mm. uh we, we acquired a historical property it's recorded with the library of congress it's a lot of little known fact that people don't know is that delaware was number one for peaches first really yes and uh this this little farm field that's behind me where we are um was all peach trees all the way out to south of dover air force base and barker landing and stuff there um but a blight came in early 1900s and it killed off most of the peach trees so that's when we lost the the lead but the building that we're actually in is an old historic peach factory barn okay. basically it's a two-story wooden barn it's about 18,000 square feet that we've preserved and rescued 
and renovated it for our use. But when we say renovated, I just basically preserved history. I tried not to change anything. Sure. Yeah. And we did everything that we could to just basically um, bring it up to the code that we needed for what we do here with the Tolinos and everything yeah, that we built. Yeah. Um, but it's beautiful because we we undid 130 years of other businesses being in here and re you know just shown the original woodwork and and the beams they're all hand hewn using wooden dowels to hold it together oh wow i get scared because i'm feeling like if i pull one out it's gonna be like jenga and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, yeah. But the wood is like petrified if you try to screw anything into it it's impossible it's 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 crazy but um so anyway we have like a campus here which is very nice three separate buildings um as far as what else is in delaware um we're known for you know delaware blue crabs like chesapeake bay okay yeah yeah, yeah, our beaches area, the, the lower counties, right? You're going to either have on the eastern side, you're going to have all the resorts like Rehoboth and Dewey. Um, everybody knows Dewey is the party, one of the top yep. 10 party areas yep. in there. So um, when you go western uh, Sussex County, that's God's country. So we just have our state fair that just went on here. Okay. And it's, where the, it's, it's, it's a traditional state fair, deep fried Twinkies and everything nice. else you can get. Yes. Right? So Kent County is kind of where Dover Air Force Base, we have uh, the NASCAR track here. Yes. Um, yep. And that's where Firefly used to be. They skipped it this past year. And then Newcastle, so anything above the Chesapeake and Delaware Canal, we call that, you know, like everything below is slower, lower Delaware or lower, slower Delaware. And then everything above it is just, you know, the metropolitan area. So you have mm -hmm. Wilmington and all the stuff here. DuPonts, you know, that mm -hmm. came from yep. here and that kind of established a lot of history, a lot of colonial towns that are in here, a lot of small towns beautiful drives, little great places to visit. One of the things I was actually thinking about doing, um, if I ever had a chance to be home, but the next next trip out for, for my wife and I just to de-stress a little bit is go out and uh, look at all the covered bridges in, in Delaware. Oh, wow. Okay. So I keep my little Westie out and, and go ride around yeah, for the day. Yeah. Nice. And tons of great breweries here, like little breweries. Of course, Dogfish is here. Everybody knows Dogfish. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of other great breweries down here too, and, and vineyards and stuff. And interesting thing about the vineyards, um, our area here is very similar to the Rheingau in Germany, so we can produce similar type grapes. Okay. Yeah, okay. for the climate so because we're basically in a peninsula. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I I drove. I, I've only driven through because I have. I'm originally from New York. I got a brother in Southern Jersey, really Philadelphia, but he's on the Jersey side, and I got another brother in Maryland. So, and I just went up, I just saw a, a spring scene concert in Philly. Then my brother and I drove back to Maryland. So, of course, we, you know, we drove through Delaware and, and, and you know, just from what the highway was showing us. But that's, I, I've driven through many times, maybe stopped, but I, I, one of the states I always wanted to see and really absorb, but just never, never got to me just yet. Yeah, so. it's, it's a great, it's a great place. I mean, the part you, you, you went through is just to collect your $14 or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, right. Through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the rest of the state is, is wonderful. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, great small towns. Like I said, I love the, the older I get, the more I love history. So, yeah, same. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I like to go out and find stuff. I even got into um, a little amateur metal detecting because when we were excavating the, um, the crawl space down here, I wanted to make sure we didn't, we encapsulated it, you know, mm -hmm. for, for, you know, eco part, but I didn't want to cover up anything that could potentially be down there. So I bought a little meta detector to, to go around and find stuff and found some really cool artifacts. Oh, wow. cool. And then I found that there was other police officers that are in that hobby too. And I've kind of wandered out with them and, you know, followed them around and found a bunch of little trinkets and stuff. So it's kind of fun. That's awesome. You, you mentioned uh, Delaware being the leader in peaches at one point, right? Yeah. So, you know, in Georgia, of course, Georgia, the peach state, the peach bowl, peach this, peach that. Yeah, you know, I, I live in South Carolina now, and just I, I'm not, I'm not 
throwing gasoline on a fire or anything, but the upstate of South Carolina alone produces more peaches than the whole state of Georgia. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just leaving it there. Uh, you know, we they could they could this the facts are the facts. So, um, but that's that's my little uh, tidbit on peaches. Uh, you, you said the whole building is wood, so you have nothing but high end electronics running 24 hours a day and petrified wood. You just like buy Murphy's oil by the gallon to keep to keep everything, you know, moist no. and 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 porous or what? We we <laughs> actually did a we had we had some um one of we had some really great engineers that came in here before we we renovated the building that um that were some friends of mine. Okay. Um, one of the best engineering firms in the state that came out and and helped us do a a plan. So there's some structural stuff that we had to do. And of course we brought everything up to code. My my biggest thing is I didn't want to destroy the value of the, the property itself right. and try to be very minimalistic, but we had to add a lot of new electric in here. Uh, we had to make sure it was fire. Everything's like in, you know, in, 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 in basically sure. in uh, yeah. conduit and stuff, proper yeah, yeah. conduit. You know, we had to do the fire stuff and you know, we everything was done properly. Um, so it's just kind of cool. It's like, a, if if I, I think if, forensics doesn't work out i am going to turn this into a pub brewery man. oh it's yeah that'd be awesome, awesome. Yeah. yeah 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 you can come up yeah. with a cool a cool you know digital forensics name tied in with beer i don't know what you know, i can't come up with thing, anything offhand but that'd be a cool that'd be an awesome yeah uh, but if anybody's ever in this area please stop by and see us we love that we do tours all the time people love they can't believe what we do in here they because it's a marriage of right the 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 tech like just high-end forensic computers and software and stuff and everything that we do like top of the game type right. stuff and then yeah you know research and devise cad stuff like everything that we do from scratch and then we're in the middle of a 130 year old building that's made out of wood a giant barn yeah. basically that is that is cool that is a cool uh you know merging of the two two worlds two two eras two, uh, yeah, two yeah. totally it's different great. eras and you, you mentioned that you, you have no sales tax. You don't need a sales tax when you're collecting fourteen dollars from everybody who's driving through your state. So that's a good. That's a, why make this. Why make the citizens of Delaware pay taxes when you could just get it from everybody driving through? I like that. That's good. Yeah. One of the things I don't like is they'll double the uh, the the road that goes to the beach. They'll double the tolls on the weekends. Oh. That's 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 price gouging, but that's it that's is. fine. You know, it, it, but yeah. it's legal when the government does it. Apparently. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, Steve, anything else for us? Uh, I just want to let you know, uh, my beagle's been bothering me since I since I sat down for this. My wife single-handedly keeps Amazon and uh, Nordstrom Rack in business, and I also have a Chihuahua. So with, with Amazon packages constantly happening, I'm in, I'm in a constant state of, will the Chihuahua blow up at the delivery guy? Luckily, we got through an hour and 10 minutes and all I had was a beagle walking under me and no chihuahua outburst. So that's, that's a victory on my end. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Kyle will be able to, I think he'd be able to get rid of any chihuahua noises on it once we do uh, post-production on this. So um, any, anything else for us before we close up? I know I, we, I've taken a lot of your uh, uh, day for you, your afternoon, but anything else to close? Oh, no, just um, look out for what's going to be what we're going to be doing as far as, awesome. um, you know, the the new stuff that's coming out with Apple that we're going to be following suit with with our software. And then, you know, of course, we got a lot of new things coming out with Tolino as well. It just we're, we're constantly um, innovating with new products, designs and um, new things, keeping on top of technologies and trying to make it affordable to everyone. Sure. You know, that's, that was the whole reason we started yep. is just to build better systems and getting the hands of everybody that's doing good for others. So. 
Awesome. Yep. Listen, a pleasure having you on. Everybody, Steve Whalen, Sumuri co-founder and IASIS lifetime member. Uh, Steve, will be seeing you minimally next year. Uh, I know uh, I'm going to be doing a, a, a bunch of conferences next year. It's my uh, probably my, I wouldn't just call it my final year, but uh, I'm going to try to do as many conferences as I can next year. Uh, pleasure having you on. Uh, enjoy your weekend, and we'll be talking to you soon. I appreciate it. Yeah, everything. thanks for having us on. All Absolutely. Right, take care. All right, guys, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.